This is the Upper Room Revival Podcast. Welcome for the first time or welcome back. I am so excited for you to be listening to this upcoming episode. Don't forget, you are who God says you are. Hello, guys. It's Veronica. I'm your host for today's episode. I've realized that it's been a long time since I've created another episode. But I felt this desire, and I still feel the desire, to continue writing episodes, to continue um, building and dreaming and believing that God can use a testimony, God can use a story, God can use biblical principle to just bring us back to where we need to go in life. And I'm so excited, and I'm, I'm honestly, like, I don't know, pretty proud of the new podcast podcasts that have been releasing um, by my friends. Um, We have Los Primos Cousins podcast and Outspoken podcast that two talented people um, have created podcast episodes, are creating content with the same vision, with the same goal, and it's that of bringing people hope, bringing people um, a reminder of who Jesus is. And I encourage you after you listen to this episode to go catch them on their episodes and follow everything that they start posting and just be encouraged by their lives, our lives, the testimony of what God can do through someone who's like, I don't know, who just simply says yes, who simply just walks in their uniqueness and walks in ideas and dreams and whatever it is that God placed in their hands. wanted to start a series a few episodes my goal is five right now I don't know if we will keep going in the future and add more episodes but five um, like a five sermon series or a five series episode series on the life of Jesus and just five different ways that we see Jesus represented in the Bible there's so many more. He literally uses like so many illustrations and visuals to give us like mental pictures and literally help us understand like what he can do for us and what he's already done for us and the way that he operates and how he literally ministers in our life. And so, yeah, that's the goal. Five, five episodes, five sermon series on the life of Jesus And um, the one that I want to talk about today is called, well, the title of this episode is called An Invitation from the Shepherd. And so I want to focus on Jesus being the shepherd in our lives and Jesus uh, representing the things that a shepherd would have done back in the day and how he does that for us in our spiritual life. I think it would have been so dope if Jesus legit, you know, was our shepherd in the sense of like we lived in the same time period as him and he could physically take care of us. But there is a deeper part of our lives that we need to be taken care taken care of or we need him to take care of, I should say. And that's our spiritual life. Like we are human, we are physical, we are flesh and bones, but we are also spirit. 
And I think even if you're not a believer, I think there's all there's like come a point in your life where you recognize spiritual things. You recognize things that go beyond flesh and bone, things that go beyond our comprehension or our, our imagination. And that's where God like wants to connect with us the most. You know, it's he created our bodies, but where he wants us to have um, relationship and intimacy and and experience something beyond is in the spirit, is in the innermost parts of our soul and everything that is within us. You know, that's the part that God wants to reach. And a lot of times, not only do we have like the spirit within us, but we have emotions, we have feelings, desires, and a lot of times those things get in the way of us experiencing God. And I want to read some biblical verses, and so you can follow with me or just listen if you don't have a Bible or anything like that, but I'm reading in the book of Psalms, chapter 95, and surprisingly enough, the top of this psalm doesn't say that David wrote it, but some do believe that David did write this psalm. Verse 6, I'm going to start there. It says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Today, if only you would hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at Massa in the wilderness. For your ancestors tested me, and they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Pretty powerful. I've just read a lot there. But the author whether it was David or whether it was someone else, I feel like is inviting us to do something. And he starts and he says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the maker. And I don't know, when I was reflecting on this chapter, like I just, like those words just came out at me. And it was almost as if like the author was speaking in my, you know, in my room, like come, like it was, it was like the Holy Spirit just spoke out and it was just an invitation to worship. And he says, you know, let us bow down and let us kneel. Two different positions that we can have before God. And he, he kind of gives us the reason why we should worship him. And he says, for he is our God. We should worship God. We should serve God. We should live for God because he is God. Because he is creator, because he's great, he's bigger than we can imagine. He goes beyond flesh and bones. I think a lot of people have a hard time like, getting to that point because they think that they're great. You know, they think that they're sufficient and they don't need anything else. And it's crazy. It's crazy people can think that way. But the author says, let us worship him because he is God and it's capital G God he's the biggest God 
I don't know if people at that time still believed in lowercase gods. But he's saying he is the one true God. Another reason the author invites us to worship is because it says we are the people of his pasture. We worship him because in him we find our identity. We worship him because he is our father and we are his children and we have inheritance. We carry his DNA. It says, you know, we were made in his image, so we we bear um, parts of him within us. And we know that we have the, his Holy Spirit within us. And just a side note, I was reflecting on th- on that, on how we carry the DNA of, of God. And it may sound um, like wrong theologically, but I, I just thought about this because God the Father didn't really have much in common with his creation in the beginning, you know, in the Old Testament. Like, he did have a relationship with them, but he didn't have, like, such a strong connection. And so when he sends his son, he doesn't just, like, send such a God down to heaven, but he sends a child. He almost integrates himself within the creation his like humans have dna so jesus being born and jesus living on earth meant that he carried dna he was fully human and so he had chromosomes he had um, mitochondria and glucose and iron god like jesus is part of the trinity so like, it's just, it blew my mind to think of, like, we legit carry the same DNA as our Lord and Savior because of what God did. Because he integrated him into creation that even though Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, we still carry pieces of him. We still carry his image. We still carry um, the potential to, um, you know, walk in holiness or strive or try not even strive but try to walk in holiness and so we are his people and the beautiful thing about God is that God doesn't change because of his people God is who he is regardless of the people's mistakes the people's issues the people's situation but it doesn't change like doesn't change God and it doesn't change that we belong to God we can be messed up people and God will never change who he is and he will never change his relationship with us that we are his children we are his lineage like we belong to him right and then the third part that the author invites us or the third reason the author invites us to worship is because we are the flock under his care and that's what reminded me of Jesus as the shepherd of God as the shepherd and I want to I want to read another um, verse in the Bible and I'm actually using my physical Bible today to read Psalms 23 I'm sure you know this verse I'm not going to read the whole thing but if you do know it you can say it out loud while I'm reading the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside quiet waters. 
He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the path for his name's sake. And I'm going to stop right there, and you know the rest of it. It starts off reminding us that the Lord is our shepherd. It starts off letting us know that is a title that he has. And many people back in that day understood the role of a shepherd because I'm sure there was sheep all over. They understood the relationship that they needed to have with their sheep as shepherds. David was a shepherd. David understood that. What David was to his sheep, God was to him. And he says, I I don't need to... Um, look for anything because I have all that I need I lack nothing and that's that's something powerful to say that you lack nothing for us in a world where it's so hard to be content with what we have like the iPhone 7 came out everyone wanted it and then iPhone 10 is out now or 11 I think is the last one and everyone just wants the next best thing I think it's hard to be content and say, I have all that I need. But David writes, and he's like, the Lord takes care of me. He knows what's best for me. He watches over me. Even when I don't see him, he's still my shepherd. He still has a place in my life. I lack nothing. And I think contentment is even a conversation that we can have in the future. But what it is to truly be content in this world and it's not that you don't want to strive for more and it's not that you want to be stagnant but it's you know who God is and you know that he's given you all that you need for this moment the next verse it says he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters and so I found some information about shepherds. I kind of did some research just to know a little bit more about what they do and what life is like as a shepherd. We know David was a shepherd, and I'm sure he experienced leading his flock to different places, taking his flock. One thing about the shepherd is that, or the shepherd and the sheep, is that they have to know each other. The sheep have to know who their shepherd is. Because if they don't know who their shepherd is, they won't find the guidance that they need. And so the way that they know who their shepherd is is because of the voice of the shepherd. And and the shepherd will speak to them. And the shepherd will know them by name and, and say their name and that's what Jesus does to us. He speaks through his word. And he knows us by name. He knows our specific needs. He knows our uniqueness, our identity. He knows what makes us who we are. And because we build that relationship through his word, we know his voice. We're allowed or we're able to walk to where he wants us, wants to take us, where he wants us to go. And we can follow him. I think a big thing about the voice of God is understanding what is not the voice of God. 
what is just opinions and what is just what people say. I think if you're ever questioning, like if God is speaking to you, if someone ever, you know, gives you a prophetic word or if someone ever gives you an, a piece of advice, like, and you're not sure whether it's God or not, like, use the word of God as a mirror. Use the word of God as as the ultimate, like, source. Obviously, like, it's not going to say, do not go out, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to be super specific. But look for what the word of God says according to your situation or in relation to your your circumstance. Like the word of God is the ultimate source of authority. You know, if you ever question like what people say, whether it's God or not, like I think I've if you've been in the Christian world for a long time, if you've been in the church world for a long time, like those things can be easily like misinterpreted. And I just say, if you ever doubt, like, look for the, like, you can even Google ways to help you find scripture to really understand, like, okay, God, like, I know what you need me to do. A lot of people, a lot of people find themselves in moments where they don't know what to do. And as much as I would love to give them the best piece of advice, I know that I can't unless I use the word of God. And so the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep need to know the shepherd. And so the shepherd has a responsibility to feed and to bring water and to take care of the sheep. The shepherd has a responsibility to make sure that his sheep is healthy, that his sheep aren't injured. And if his sheep try to stray, finding ways to bring the sheep together. And he uses his, um, his staff to bring them closer, uh, bring them in the right direction. And so the shepherd never walks behind the sheep. He always walks in front. And so the sheep always follow behind because they know their shepherd. They have full confidence in this man that has provided in the past and it continues pr providing for them. And so it, it in this verse, it says that, he, you know, the shepherd takes them to green pastures. And green pastures, in the olden times, they would be green mainly in rainy seasons. Mainly, you know, in those times where the grass was growing and, like, it was desert area. You know, there wasn't always healthy you know grass healthy flowers whatever else sheep ate and I thought about this rainy season and how the shepherd still has a responsibility to take these sheep through um, the path that may may be rainy to these green pastures and I think of like I pause and I reflect and I'm like wow like we see the green pastures. But we have to remember that it's going to be rainy. It's going to be a rainy season. And if you're listening to this now, in this season that we're in, in July, it's raining almost every day. And last week, I was driving my car, and I remember it started raining so bad that I couldn't even see, like, 
the front. I couldn't see the car in the front. And I put my windshield wipers after after I couldn't see nothing. I put it on. And I realized, like, I was just reflecting and I realized that God was trying to speak to me. And I was just reflecting on the stormy seasons of life and how things can be hard at certain points. And we can tend to focus on how hard life is. And Holy Spirit, all he wants to do is bring clarity. He wants to remind you, like, there's green pastures. Just wait. Like, just push through this moment. Like, there's so much more for your life, for my life for our family's lives we just have to push through this moment and it's it's so easy to say but so hard to live out when you tell someone in the midst of your hard situation trust God it's so easy to say but to trust God in the storm I'll give you an example and we know the story in the Bible where the disciples are in the boat. These men are fishermen. These men are skilled to be on the water, skilled to drive boats. And Jesus is in the bottom of the boat, and he's sleeping. And all of a sudden, like, you know, the waves are coming. It's getting pretty serious. It's raining really bad. I'm sure, like, that fog was coming. They couldn't see the road, couldn't see, not the road, couldn't see, um, you know, what was out in the sea. And I just think about it, and I'm like, they were fishermen. How could they not know how to drive a boat? But I'm sure the storm was was either way stronger than they expected, They didn't, or they didn't think they could get through it. And they decided to wake up Jesus. The fishermen, the skilled Men who drove these boats felt like they could not continue. And I I always repeat this phrase whenever I share and whenever I just reflect on my life. Like whenever we reach the end of ourselves, that's where God shows up. But it's almost, I can almost reword it and say that God wants us to reach the end of ourselves so he can show up. They both, they both um, are said different ways, but they mean the same thing, that God shows up because of his grace in those hard moments, in those moments where we don't feel like we have the answer. And they wake up Jesus, they go to the boat, or the bottom of the boat, and they say, Jesus, we can't do this anymore. We can't, the disciples are telling him, we can't drive this boat, we can't make it to the other side. I don't know what we're going to do, Jesus. And I think for us, like, it's okay to be honest with God, to be honest in our prayers and be like, I I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea, but I know who to call on. I know where my shepherd is. I know where God is. I know who I trust. I know who has the answer. Our friends may think they have the best advice, and they I'm sure they have the best intentions. But our solutions are only found in God. And Jesus, all he does, 
so beautiful, the story. He just says, peace, be still. And I think what, what God, you know, what, what Jesus and this whole like reflection on this story, like what the Trinity speaks to us about is that the storms of life are a part of life. The hard situations are what make life what it is. And so Jesus is not saying like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to get rid of it for you. Like he doesn't say stop. Or he doesn't. I think just the wording is so interesting to me. Like he tells a storm, peace, be still. I think that he was speaking into much more than the storm. I think that he was speaking to the disciples. I think that he was speaking to fear itself. I think he was speaking to any attack of like the enemy, any evil spirit in that moment when he says peace. See, like, what God doesn't, I feel like this is a way that God works. You know, I can't speak for him, but just this is me analyzing. Like, when we go through hard moments, God isn't going to take things away, but he's going to give us things in the sense of peace. Like, essentially, the storm died down, but it wasn't that he took the storm out of their life. Or for us, it's not like he's going to take the anger out forever, but in those moments where we're like, God, I don't know what to do. He's going to give us his spirit, his spirit of peace, spirit of joy, spirit of contentment, spirit of uh, power. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, of sound mind. And so when we have these moments, and I honestly went on such a different direction, but when we have hard moments in life, his promises are to give us all that we need. And so we have nothing to lack, nothing to complain about, nothing to be desperate about, because he provides. I love that song where it says he always provides. And the reason why I titled this episode uh, An Invitation from the Shepherd is because I feel like we may know who God is and we may have a relationship with him. But I think it's it's so gentleman-like of him to invite us to understand him in a new way. You know, God will never force things in our life. And just like that first verse that I read in Psalms 95, it says, come, let us worship him. I think the invitation is of intimacy. The invitation is to get closer to him. And so he takes us to these green pastures because it's a place of intimacy. It's a place where we can get fed. And we get fed through the word. We get fed through moments and encounters with God. 
It also says that he leads us beside quiet waters are still waters and the reason why there's still waters is because it's a place where it's just you and the shepherd you're alone with God that's where he wants us whenever you know there's ripples in the water that means that like there's someone else there but the shepherd the good shepherd knows where to take you he knows where to you know where to like teach you he knows where to show you and where to inspire you so that it's just you and him there's no distractions that's that's where the shepherd wants the shepherd wants his sheep to be fed and to be refreshed the reason that it talks about water is the refreshment of the soul you know we know that jesus is the living water he wants us to f- he wants to fill our soul with so much more and i think it's a daily invitation to invite him to be that shepherd it's almost like he's inviting us to a new level of relationship with him and something cool about uh, verse 2 when it says he makes me lie down in green pastures so the shepherd takes the sheep to the green pastures to eat but he uh, he gives them space to lie down he allows them to rest in the green pastures he he allows them to be without a rush and it even says that the shepherd will sit with the sheep and it paints a picture for me like you know god wants to fill me with his word not so that i can waste my energy doing and running and pursuing the next best thing but he wants me to rest in it he wants me to be confident and trust that the shepherd is watching my back that the shepherd knows uh, you know knows that i'm safe and i can just rest i can be still and in one of my episodes i talked about rest and how important it is as a christian and i think that like we see that there you know when it's talking about lie down in green pastures it's being fed with that confidence, assurance that God is doing something and that you trust in him. And I think of Mary and Martha. And I've shared this story before in one of my episodes, but I understood something in a different way. And I think that this can relate to any Christian, but it can also relate to ministers and people with uh, potential to, to... serve people with I shouldn't say potential but with the abilities to serve the abilities to preach the abilities to minister sing play any instrument serve in any capacity and honestly reflect Jesus in any capacity and the reason I bring up this story is because okay so Martha In the story, I think it's in Luke chapter 10, Martha invites Jesus to the house, right? She invites him to the house, and she lives with her sister Mary. And we noticed, like, like, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, like, two separate women, two distinct behaviors, two separate attitudes. And Martha is so focused in this kitchen, 
cooking, I don't know what she was cooking, paninis or something, cooking for Jesus, you know, whatever it was she was making, whatever it was that she was doing, she was so distracted, and the word says that she was distracted. And Mary had a different behavior, different posture. She instantly sat at his feet because she knew, for whatever reason, she knew she had to be there. Whether it was she knew that he was the son of God, whether it was that she knew that he was a wise man, whether it was that she knew that she like, had no other distractions in life and she knew she needed to be there. And in the story... Martha tells Jesus, like, Jesus, bro, like, can't you tell her to do her job? Can't you tell Mary to help me in the kitchen? Like, she needs to do her job. She's not, like, participating in serving you. Can't you tell her? This is, that's just how I interpret it in this moment. And Jesus is like, you don't, you don't understand, Martha. You don't understand what really matters in this moment do you not know who I am like Mary has chosen like the better option the best thing and I always question this like story because I'm like man does that mean that like serving is bad and I just have to be with Jesus because that's just how I visualized it. You know, Martha was the one serving Jesus. And Mary was the one sitting at his feet. And I think what helped me or what, you know, God was speaking to me about this is like, no, like serving is not bad. But serving God should never come before being with God. And I know we use serving God like as living a life for God. But when I mean serving God, I mean serving within, you know, a church capacity or serving as a minister, as whatever it is, serving and doing. We can get busy in doing things and saying this is for God. You know, we can spend so many hours planning events and brainstorming ideas and, you know, studying theology in school, um, practicing songs for church to play we can do all of that and say that it's for God but if we don't really take the time to be with God to be in his presence to be at his feet you know which which do you think really matters and it was almost like Mary invited Jesus but, but didn't understand like who he who he really was like we understand because the scripture is full of all these stories but i'm just like like martha invited jesus but as soon as jesus walked in jesus invited martha jesus was inviting her to a deeper relationship to hear his voice to sit at his feet to be with him and be fed by him and it just it hits me so much because i think we get like, I've even found myself guilty of, of serving and saying it's for God and being, you know, filled and, and doing all these things for God. And for me, it looks like going on mission trips. For me, it looks like, you know, 
playing on Sundays, leading worship. For me, it looks like planning events. But at the end of the day, like, yes, this is for God. But am I really speaking with God? Am I really sitting at his feet? Am I really, you know, being with him in these green pastures, in these still waters? Like, he's calling us to an intimate moment with him. He's calling us to sit at his feet. He's calling us to be closer to him. And we have to accept that. We have to make the decision to allow this relationship to be more intimate, to be vulnerable. I think a a perfect way to start is being vulnerable with God. And vulnerable just means like open, straight up, and honest. And so I encourage you to continue to study what the Word of God says. You know, worship. It says, Psalm 95 talked about worship. That is such a good way to get closer with God. We have a responsibility to have a relationship with God, to serve Him and to worship Him. But we can't forget, like, the you know, the order on how we need a relationship with Him. We need to worship Him. And we need to serve Him. And Psalms 29 um, says, you know, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due to His name. And I think, like, man, it's just, it's just what we got to do. It's just part of life as a believer is giving to God what belongs to him and receiving that invitation or accepting that invitation, I should say, to worship him, accepting that invitation to intimacy, accepting that invitation to be vulnerable and to let things go and to put him in his hands and trust that, you know, there's nothing that we should be afraid of as, you know, as him, him being our shepherd, there's nothing that we need to be afraid of. We lack nothing because God is with us. And so thank you so much for watching this episode. There's so much more that I want to share and I just would love to have a conversation with you about it if you ever are interested. But the first aspect in the life of Jesus is that he is our good shepherd. He wants what's best for us and he loves us and he takes care of us. And I'm just going to pray a quick prayer. God, we just thank you for the person that's listening to this episode. Thank you for their life and their unique abilities. We thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that you are doing something different, something unique, something that we've never seen before in our lives. And we accept the invitation to get closer to your heart, to hear your heartbeat, to get closer to the things that you burn for, the things that you feel. Help us to be intimate and vulnerable and open our hearts and not harden our hearts. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Alrighty, guys, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.